0: SHUT sure. After Dark, a podcast about Riverdale that's taking you back to the 1950s. I'm one of your DJs, Alex.
1: Hey, 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 when you have fun all day, you don't even see the darkness because you party all day during the sun. And then when the sun goes down, you go to sleep because after dark, it's not a good place to be. Pep, pep, pep. I'm Justin. (laughs) I'm Pete. And
0: we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 2, Chapter 119. Skip. Hop and thump, and as cleverly teased by our intro here, we are fully back in 1955. This episode, here's what you need to know. In terms I don't know of the how recap. clever
2: it really was! But oh okay. my god, it was, hey, the you most was your idea. Thing I've
0: ever heard. It was your yeah, idea, Pete. Uh, you, you you clever. Clever. You've been texting been us for seven hot. days, being like, "Hey guys, what you should do? Don't do the Riverdale after dark thing you normally do at the top of the podcast. Shake it Instead, up. do a really, really well done." Uh, like old school DJ thing. And What's I was like, cute oh, is yeah. you think hey. I think
2: about you after this microphone turns off. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> Hell, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> <coughs> Wow,
0: that was the sickest bird you've done it all the time. In quite some time, yeah. I'm feeling that. I
1: need to take a breath.
0: (laughs) Well, let's give a little bit of recap, although you actually don't need much for this episode for real this time, because after the first episode wiped out the last vestiges of our old school Riverdale, the thing that we've known for the first six seasons. Now we are fully in 1955. Everybody is their classic Archie comic book characters. The main things that you need to know off the episode is that Archie is trying to court Veronica Julian Blossom, who is now the current brother of Cheryl Blossom is also trying to court Veronica. Kevin and Betty are dating, so that's probably important to know, and Kevin is obviously closeted and having some problems with that. Cheryl is also closeted and even more closeted than Kevin, one might argue, and just Mm. met Tony in the last episode. Things start to heat up here as we get into that. And all, not all of the characters, but a lot of characters who are dead are now back alive. Everything has been pretty much rebooted. Principal Featherhead is now the principal of the school, played by the guy who previously played Warden Norton. And we saw him in the background last episode. We talked about this on the last podcast, but we more fully meet the new character being played by the actor who played Francis DuPont in an earlier season. Now he is Dr. Werther's, who I don't know what his job is, but he's He's the original doctor's original. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that. He's a shout out to Dr. (laughs) Wortham from the Comics Code, which plays in big in this episode. Yeah. A lot of stuff being remixed that is going on here. Um, Yeah, I, I think that's kind of all you need to know. I can't believe it.
1: Shucks to that. It is crazy because it's been a, it's a reset. So yeah, mm-hmm. we're in full. Well, before this we is, went I on, Justin, we... I,
0: I wanted to ask you about this. You said that it was surprising that this was the second episode. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, obviously they had to establish the timeline and Jughead losing his memory and sort of sew everything up um, in the first episode, but this felt like the real reset. This mm-hmm. is where we're seeing really where we're at with these characters what the underlying passions are what the outward passions are setting up a lot of stuff and sort of taking our first step from this sort of um biblical garden of eden where there's like everything is perfect into darkness there i cuz i that that was one of the my takeaways from this is it feels a little bit biblical here Where these characters are in their like pure, innocent forms, but they're also without knowledge. They don't have knowledge Mm -hmm. of themselves. A lot of them, they don't have knowledge of each other. They're not being true to their feelings. And then we start to take a step at the end of the episode with what um, happens with Ethel here. And we get our first steps toward the darkness that plagues Riverdale throughout all of the seasons. Ethel's back. Uh, Ethel is back. Also,
0: Ethelhead is back in this episode, which was a big surprise yeah. for me. My main impression to jump off of what you're saying, Justin, and I thought this was a great episode. This is right like up. watching a alternate universe where Riverdale was the show everybody thought Riverdale was going to be. That it's like exactly oh, that it's these straight Archie comics characters hour-long drama, so you get some more dramatic situations, you get some sort of like meta-tweaking of it, but it's not as over-the-top, insane, dark, sexy as the show was right for the first episode. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, and we get Ethel, we get a thing that happens with Ethel that we'll talk about at the end of the episode that definitely twists things back towards classic Riverdale, but I thought that was great. Like, obviously, we love Riverdale. We've been talking about it for 119 episodes now. But it's really fun to see it in this way where people it, – it could have been something
2: else and this is what they're showing us right now. That's very cool. It, yeah, it's it's great. tough. It kind of when well, we're talking about our kind of impressions of the second episode, this is it's it's hard for me because it's like I know this is the last season, so I'm trying to like cherish it all. But it's also like I have this countdown in my head of like there's only so many eps mm-hmm. till the end. Like I want to get them mm. to the riverdale that uh, i know and love right the fast paced cracked out like what the fuck is going on moves that the riverdale that we kind of are are used to like this has been such a kind of nostalgic fun what if 1950s thing which is which is interesting it's been very powerful at times and very meaningful in other ways and cool we get to kind of play with the timeline but I'm also like, yeah, but we're close to the end here, guys. we got to, you know what I mean? So it's hard for me to enjoy it, I think. I'm I'm a little bit uh, stressed about it.
1: I think you should try to enjoy it as much as you can because this is always, this is the plan. This is how they're spending their last episodes. These are the statements that these creators that we've loved um, and loved all of their decisions all the way from the beginning to Barchi. um, Disagree with nothing, yeah. Disagreed with nothing. I think especially as a group, the three of us, um, like three great 1955 radio DJs. Do you guys um, really
0: quick want to do the warm-up that we do before we tape the podcast where we all say we agree at the same time? Let's do it real quick. One, (laughs) two, three.
1: We agree. There it is. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Pete, thanks for saying that, too. It was much quieter than the rest of us, but I I appreciate it. Yeah, but we got it. It's take a can.
1: Cool, cool, cool.
0: <laughs> I mean, to the point that you guys are saying, and, and to you, Pete, specifically, I think to contradict what I said before, a lot of this wouldn't work if we didn't have that history over six seasons. I'm thinking very specifically of Shoney, very specifically of Barchi, I mean, that these scenes, what obviously there's have? stuff that like we know from the comics a little bit, maybe Shoni a little bit less than Barchi, but there's something about like they're not doing the lost thing, where Betty and Archie start dancing in the middle of this episode, and suddenly they start to have flashbacks of their real lives or anything. And I'm kind of glad they're not going that route, at least now. But that would not have the weight if we didn't know Betty and Archie got to a place where they wanted to be married. They wanted to have kids with each other. And now they've been separated. They've forgotten each other. And now here they are coming back. And yeah, same- but
2: was that all real? You know what I mean? Or was that not? No, everything you know I mean? happened. Like, that's the thing is that everything because counts. You think that's a, a part of their timeline, but I don't really consider that real. Because no, but it I is because like- we, and I think that was the function of having the Tabitha
0: Jughead stuff in the first episode, even though it was this weird, mangled sci-fi thing that I don't think you should pull on too much or it doesn't really make a lot of sense but Tabitha (laughs) essentially being like no you're not in the afterlife nobody's dead this isn't you know a different thing this is the same timeline I just shunted you all back to 1955 and nobody has their memories yeah, you know, that's what it is. So like they are the same people. They still have these feelings between them. They just don't know each other in the same way. And
1: yeah. It's Justin. like it's like they've taken the characters and everything still matters. It's just they've been distilled down sort of like empty vessel ver- versions of the characters that we um know and love. And so we got to see how they're going to sort of be refilled in this new timeline and where it's going to take them and there's a lot of exciting possibilities on the table I thought especially in this episode and some specifically
0: Yes. Well, let's talk about that. Do you want to jump into... Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of... <laughs> you want to jump into Shodi. Justin clearly wants to jump into Parchy. I, of course, want to jump into talking about comics, the main plot of the episode. Yeah! <laughs> wow.
1: What a hero up top. <laughs> yes. The man with pep. Yes. Well, uh, let's talk about that, because that is the
0: plot thing. we got to delay talking about the ship stuff, where we'll be arguing, I'm sure, a lot towards the end stuff. of the episode. What? Us? Um, so what we get from right at the top is... This mission statement from Jughead, where he says, the popularity and culture impact of comic books in our time cannot be overstated. Pete, I thought of you, you probably felt very seen in that moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice. It's it's <laughs> it stinks that it <laughs> happened after Jughead got his mind wiped, and this is kind of like the I'm getting used to this new Jughead, and it's kind of like uh, this adorable f- uh, kind of like, not quite Jughead Jughead. So, uh, so there was a lot happening emotionally, but yeah, the things he were saying were really great. I just wish he didn't fold as soon as he walked in the, uh, comics office and someone offered him a job and then all his kind of like logic went out you, the window.
1: Wouldn't you take the job, your dream job? Well,
0: uh, hold on. Before we get into it, just a brief overview of this plot. Yeah. So... Uh, Jughead is obsessed with comics. He's reading the stuff from Pep Comics, which, by the way, was Archie Comics before Archie Comics was Archie Comics. They were called Pep Comics. They exist in Riverdale. They're publishing in Riverdale. They are publishing horror comics mostly, which of the time were much more popular than superhero comics. Superhero comics were out. And Jughead thinks one of his stories is stolen. So he marches over to Pep Comics, demand that they give him some money or publishing credit or something. And the publisher is basically like, look, we get a thousand ideas. Your idea is not original. Come on. But I'm always looking for writers. Jughead volunteers to write for some, uh, write a story which he does. He says he'll put Ethel's name forward as an artist, which he does. And uh, she ends up drawing it. And the publisher is like, great. And they do it. But by the end of the storyline, and not to jump too far ahead, uh, Ethel gets shut down by her parents. And then something happens. She also gets shut down by the principal and Dr. Werther's. Something happens. And then the last shot we see is at the sock hop at the end. Ethel is stumbling in, covering it blood, covered in blood and says something terrible has happened. So yeah. something happened in the middle there that was very bad. We'll obviously have to tune in and find out. But the majority of this comic book storyline, I got to say, Pete, very accurate to the
2: creative process, which I thought was pretty great. I really loved how Jughead you know, was uh, sticking up for Ethel and letting her get credit. And her art was amazing in this. This was really great to see it was just so heartbreaking to see everybody trying to stop her from living her dream so it was uh it was awesome and then heartbreaking at the same time
1: yeah i really like this as well uh, this new jughead is is like the comics jughead where he he really likes food mm-hmm. and he is like a little bit of a goof and he's mm-hmm. a little bit off on his own a little bit reclusive but not in that dark way just in like he's a guy that has his own interests like there was a the line Later, where he's like, decent spread, cookies and whatnot. Yeah. Which I was like, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah.
0: That's classic uh, junkhead, so like you were saying. Cool. And uh, yeah. on a similar note, after he sees what, what he thinks is a stolen story in Pep Comics, he goes over to the school, and his friend group is clearly Ethel, Ben Button, and Dilton. And as a fan of the comics, I, was, I got like a little thrill from that, like a little electric uh-huh. thrill of like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's all the nerds hanging out with each other at Riverdale High. This is classic comics come to life. It was very fun.
1: Uh, agreed. That was very cool. And then the way that the story sort of spun out with, uh, you have the Ethelhead stuff, which I think we should talk about, mm-hmm. which is interesting uh, because Jughead seems not at all into it. Yeah. But oh, what, for
2: so. goofs? And then the look, or to see her like... Oh, it was heartbreaking. Uh, I was like, oh. Well, I think I, I love that, too. Like, I love the romantic stuff going on
0: here because I don't think Jughead was shutting her down. I think Jughead is just. He oblivious. is the oblivious. Exactly. Yeah. Oblivious yeah. comic book Jughead. Yeah. I'd be interested in I, I yeah. don't think they can go this route. And uh, I will say they're not going to go this route. But certainly when I was watching this episode, I was curious to see if they were going to go asexual Jughead, like what was established in the comics. I thought that would have been an interesting twist for them to do, given this clean slate here. But clearly if this is the same Jughead that we've watched for six seasons, it's not. So they're not going to do it. So he's just oblivious. But yeah, Shannon Purser killed this in this episode, just like like Pete's saying, her look of hope and wanting of Jughead it was so pure and innocent and I don't know. I kind of came out of the episode being like, Oh, I want this to work. I want to see Ethelhead happen.
1: Yeah. Though I will say, I think another, <laughs> yeah. there is I like, like your long, pause dramatic there. pause. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rooting the jughead in the comics is a way to look at it, but you can also look at it like he, his memory is white, but he still is in love with Tabitha. So, Mm -hmm. of course, he's not going to be interested in another relationship because that's where he doesn't know it, but he has satisfied that feeling, I believe. Uh,
2: Potentially. I mean, I think that depends on. The problem is, he has his mind wiped. So, how does he know that he was in love at one point? But has his heart
1: been wiped? I I think that's an open question. I I think this
2: gets into. I'm hoping that that's where we're going because that leaves uh, an opening for other. Mingling of relationships, you know. Some of us are pulling for other ships here, buddy. Well, th- mm. that's going to be an open question, and I think that's
0: something that's not going to be resolved until we see how they resolve the season and how they resolve this problem. Is do they have that emotional resonance from their previous lives? And I think yes, in a certain sense, we've certainly seen that with Archie and Veronica. Like last episode, him saying, "Wow, I felt like I was struck by lightning." That's something that was just a clear reference to when he first met Veronica back in the day as well. But we also get that, not to twist it over to something else, but like I was saying earlier with Betty and Archie, where they have these feelings with each other. Betty talks about having stirrings in this episode for Archie that she doesn't understand, which makes sense for the plot, but also there is that idea of, yeah, maybe she remembers on some sense. We just don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean – I took it – this is, again, sort of very comic booky where she pines for Archie and Archie's a little bit oblivious. But we've gone full oblivious Archie. Like he's – to the point where he's like, Mom, can you help me get dressed? I was like, dude, you're a teenager. You're a grown – in the other timeline, he was already like – in the military and fighting a gang and stuff. And now he's like, <laughs> I need help with my clothes. I'm hoping uh,
2: he's going to be turned into Bear Archie, where he's just kind of like lumbering mm-hmm. around. You know, people are feeding him honey and stuff. Oh, man. That would be the best. I would love to see people feed
0: him honey. I yeah. agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, I we'll think get we're all there. in agreement there. Feed him honey. Feed Wait, him, Mister
0: Honey. Two, three. We, <laughs> we uh, agree. agree.
1: Okay. said, right. what a good feature of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) But I also, I mean, the Barchie stuff I thought was electric in this episode. I thought it was just like, so it got you back into that teenage longing phase of it where I feel like when we left them, it was a lot of like, will they, won't they, Betty's dealing with her stuff, Archie's And then they got together and it felt like love, but it reminded me of some of their first, we'll take questions in a moment, some of their first scenes when they sang that song together uh, back in the day. And, and it felt so like bright and exciting It reminded me of like falling in love, oh, and that's Jesus what we get Christ. here. All that's right. what we get. Exactly. Right. Hey. Not to, not to be a business
0: guy, for... before you get to it, Pete, I just want to give a brief overview because there's a lot of different plot points that happen here. Yes, but yes. he's, he's short... jumping
2: around all over the place. But the problem and is he's got me too worked up where I can't logically not <laughs> comment on what he just said. Before You're like
0: Cheryl back. when she uh, first meets Tony when she's selling the tickets when she's
2: like ah, bah, 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 bah,
0: bah. Yeah. So funny. Uh but this plot line to talk about it in brief. So Archie wants to ask Veronica to the sock hop. He she decides to audition a bunch of guys. First she's like, ah, you can cut a rug, right? You can dance. He's like, Yeah, sure. He of course can't dance. So he decides to go over to Betty and say, can I get a dancing lesson? They start to catch a little bit of feelings in terms of that dancing lesson before it's broken up by Alice. And then that sends them off into sort of two separate paths where Archie is pursuing Veronica uh, ultimately, he ends up at the Pembroke, where she is. It, 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 it. There's a lot <laughs> yeah, of yeah, stuff. Who cares? Dude, we all come. saw the show. Let's talk about no. How we, no, we on. On. Jesus Christ! Christ. I just like, sit through his monologue. Stop. It's like you don't understand how this podcast works after yeah, yeah. 119 plus okay. episodes, Pete. Plus, plus, we've done way more than that stop. Are no, you done? No. Let's,
1: let's let him finish, Pete. And then <laughs> I'm
0: almost done. So she auditions a bunch of people. Archie is very uncomfortable about it. Ultimately, what Veronica realizes both through that experience, talking to Mary Andrews and also talking to Betty, is that she has to go to the sock op by herself. Meanwhile, Betty realizes, oh, wait a second. Maybe I want to go for Archie instead of Kevin, who is being very standoffish and doesn't want to kiss her. She doesn't realize he's gay. We don't have time she... for
2: that right now. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We do, we yeah. do, Here's we what we I'm do.
0: saying. There's a lot of stuff going on here. going to We're going to delve about the more into to all of this stuff right now you I'm sorry stop (laughs) recapping the whole thing he was just talking about one part Here's the thing, Pete. I understand you're very excited about Barchi catching feelings and Barchi being endgame. Just put it
2: on a shelf for a second no. and then we we'll let right, me you're, finish you're, off you're, what I'm fuck, saying. Fuck you both. Okay, here's <laughs> my opinions on this. You saw love, which is great. But what yeah. I saw was, was, which mm. was yeah. <laughs> when you're young and you don't know what you want yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Betty thinks she thinks wow. Wow. has feelings <laughs> for him and maybe and doesn't know what's going on. And that's Real exciting. F- and the you real know, featherhead
1: attitude over here. Uh,
2: but, you know what I mean? It's it's you know, it's I feel like there's going to be a different connection when she finally her and Jughead have a moment, you know what I mean, when <laughs> they're together and then finally we're going to get some real sparks. And that's when yeah. you're going to really feel like, oh my god, yeah. I'm saying to cough after about this. this. Did you, is you just who go through
0: be the Barchie in this episode? Is the argument for why bucket is going to happen?
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: That's the you're most like a, insane thing you've ever said on this podcast. You. You're like thank
1: an you. old-timey prospector still sifting in the same old creek looking That's for gold. Right.
0: That's right. Uh, I'm sorry. Like I will say, and I, I struck gold there this once. Last episode, why not keep going back? You know, you're what gonna mean? get a bughead thing next episode, but just based on this episode, like. It is straight up Barchi sparks flying and Barchi yeah. clearly in this episode stronger than Varchi which I still think like there's something there. There's something going on. But what we're getting here with Veronica, at the very least is her realizing something she regularly realized back in the regular timeline, which is she needs to figure her own shit out before she tries other
1: shit. Well, and I think, like, I, I'm not trying to be mean when I talk about this Barchi stuff. It is just what was in the episode. Well, you're putting um, on extra stuff, I feel like. That's, that's my like, perception of it because the way I would that argue. Was filmed,
0: I'm sorry. The, the close ups of the hand and yeah. them looking at each other when they're dancing that, that's something real. I'm yeah, sorry. that's New real. I, kno- I know,
1: and New I'm just going to watch it again every time when I close my eyes, I see it. So I just have to blink, and it's I'm right there. And then the scene at the end of the episode where she's walking up to Archie to ask him to the dance, and yeah, Kevin, you had
2: to be like, yes, you know, yes, but then no.
1: I knew, I knew we weren't going to get there, and I, right I, I felt that twist coming. And I'm, I'm here for it because, like, I it's great dramatically, and like. Because I want to talk about actually, sort of the maybe the most electric stuff. This episode is between Kevin and Clay, or Clavin, as uh, we're calling them for sure. Clavin, 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 Clavin—the the (laughs) the most exciting new relationship on the show. But let me just just to cap off the the Betty Veronica stuff. I also like to to your point, Alex. Veronica is just not good in this episode. Like that she has all these men fighting over her, like literally she
2: does make some growth steps where she realizes Mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay. Maybe I gotta be a little bit, you know, this isn't a movie set. I can't audition dudes, you know, however, you know, she's free to live her life, make her choices. But she kind of sees a little bit of like, maybe I'm going about it the wrong way, which is growth for her, which is great.
1: Definitely. And here's where I think we're missing something um, for a a production reason that's affected the story. Having Julian in here, this is clearly like supposed to be Reggie, but uh, the actor who plays Reggie, we're saying it wasn't available for the beginning of the season. But, like, this feels like the classic Reggie role. Mm -hmm. And instead, we have Julian in here, and it would have been so much more fun with Reggie there because we it's already an established relationship between he and Veronica. He would be able to get after Archie in a way because of just we're more familiar with that character. It would have a little bit more history to it. The Julian stuff feels like he's not a real rival for Archie. He's, like, you know, much more unlikable, I think, purposefully so maybe. But he's just a little distant. We don't get a lot of emotion out of him. So I'm definitely missing the what I assume would have been Reggie if um, they had what the – if the show had But its, Yeah, but think brothers. about
2: this, though, Justin. If you're a doll that comes to life, you're not going to be, you know, very human. You're going to be a little cold, a little distant, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, I was, you know, I, you know, I was a puppet that was granted life, and so like, yeah, I when because I cut you were my strings,
2: born in a well, you know, somebody wished you alive.
1: That's right. What a dream. <laughs> yeah. What a dream. Uh,
2: I will say,
0: I I agree with you. I think it makes a lot more sense for Reggie in this role, and like you're saying, I imagine there were production reasons for it. I'll also add, I interviewed Nicholas Barash, a very nice guy. I think what I got from him, at least part of it, was like. Well, so coming out to this set, his first day was just being that big classroom scene and having to be like, yep, I'm here. I know what I'm doing. And he expressed, he was like, I was terrified when I was doing that. And similarly, I also talked to Carl Walcott, who plays Clay, and his first scene, which we'll probably talk about in a second, was the scene of the piano room.
1: Where nah, he's just like, great.
0: he didn't even, he didn't do a chemistry read with Casey Cott or anything like that. So like, I don't think this is a knock against the production because we've talked to a bunch of the people in the production. And they're phenomenal and doing an incredible job. It's just the speed of what yeah, they're they go doing. Fast. Exactly, yeah. that they're just throwing people in there. So I am curious to see what happens with Julian as we go forward because he's definitely going to be here for a while. And I, I do think, again, this is Nicholas hinted a little bit that there are some dark things that are coming for him and some things where... Come- it's really his insecurity is the things that are fueling this. So I think once they figure out how to develop him as a character, I think it's going to work a little better. But like you were saying, just in terms of shorthand, Reggie would have made a little more sense here.
2: Uh, but I think Julian's going to live in yeah. the walls for a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, family be history. exciting. You know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone Learned in the wall. You got to do some time in the wall.
2: Yeah. So
0: one little thing that I wanted to mention, actually not necessarily a little thing, but just in terms of a couple of acting shout outs, I think even given all of these things that we're talking about, uh, a lot of the actors are doing some really phenomenal work this season. Yeah. Like Camila Mendez with Veronica, even like you were saying, she does some really reprehensible things here. But Camilla Mendes finds some really wonderful notes to play in the episode. Her scene with Mary at the doorway, where Mary just digs oh, in. Oh, yeah. Her. That was I great. It was yeah. great and heartbreaking. Yeah. Her scene at the sock hop, same sort of thing. There's so many different moods that she's playing there and i was going to give a shout out to the barchi in particular that i think kj appa and lily reinhardt in particular are just crushing the innocence of the time in particular yeah can we it, uh,
1: it's so it's so hard to as an actor to play the same character in a totally different mindset and commit to that while also giving us the notes of the character that we've already seen so much of and then they're like you're saying they're really doing a great job
2: yeah, there's a lot of complex layers going on that they're <laughs> pulling off, which is very impressive. <laughs> but I want to get to you know something. You know, we talked about maybe Veronica not being on the up and up, but let's you know also uh, Archie. Uh, seems like he stole that poem, right? Like he was claiming that that poem was his, but that was his father's, right? I mean, we're all on the same page on that. No, what? When? No. Remember it- when he was like, "Oh yeah, your dad had these poems," and then all of a sudden he had this unbelievable poem. Do you think he I mean, wrote that himself? All, it Once seems like, like he an unbelievable
0: it. poem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think the idea here For is that, sense, yeah. In regular timeline Archie is a musician. He's crafting these songs, he's making these songs. Here he is not a musician at least not yet. He's this more like a Dr. Seuss. Yeah, exactly. He's putting his art out there and Hop this case, on pop. his art is poetry and you know even whatever you think about the actual poem the way that he read it, wrote it, it means something to Betty, it means something to Veronica and that's the important thing there.
1: Well, clearly it means something to Smithers, who's really sticking his nose where it doesn't Uh, belong I want to throw my theory out of you Smithers 100%
0: remembers the regular timeline Like, that's what I got (laughs) He's like, well, here we are back in the 1950s Another weird thing that's happened to me I think I died maybe at some point Anyway
1: The Smithers tapes, he's the one who knows everything He hid Jughead's beanie
0: Yes, absolutely um, all right. Why don't we move on? Because there are two other storylines we need to talk about. In particular, the first one, which we already mentioned, Kevin and Clay. We got a little introduction to Clay here through a couple of seeds. Um, great. I'm feeling it. Oh, is yeah. this
1: the season where Kevin finds true love? I think it is. And I think we're going to. It's fi- We've been talking season about it Kevin. since the beginning. Yeah. And here it is. I think this is it. They can't fool us a seventh time, can they? I mean, <laughs> it was.
2: <laughs>
0: fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me a third time, shame on you again. Fool me a fourth <laughs> time, shame on both of us. Fool me a fifth time. The, right, that's the one up. where you, where you keep so doing hours of fool it. Fool me yeah, a fifth time, on. I'll
1: keep doing a podcast. We can't, <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: uh, 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 This is great. I felt their chemistry. Pete, what were you going to say? I was going to say uh him and Betty in the car was kind of funny where he was like, you know, he's like, what are you a sex addict? Like it was, it was like, I, you know, you, not really laughing at them, but it was kind of, you know, some funny humor and some tense moments. That so whole I, scene, I, I thought, was... I was with it, is what I'm very,
0: The say. whole scene at Lover's Lane was very fun, starting with Cheryl going around Cheryl and
2: knocking.
0: Cheryl knocking on, oh my God. And knocking yeah, Midge, windows trying to, and Midge, Midge and uh, Fangs, another big ship oh, yeah. that we get this episode.
1: Yeah, adorable. Horrible.
0: Yes, very fun. Her forcing Midge back to her car and getting her out of Fangs, that disgusting greasers car. And, but uh, what a yeah. singer. Sort yeah. of our Elvis in a yeah. lot of ways. He's not Kevin of the Crooners. That's for but, sure. But there you go. Um, I kind of wanted to see Kevin of the Crooners. They kept talking about them. nuts. Yeah, stuff. right? Well,
1: <laughs> I mean, they have a lot of opportunity for some sort of music battle here where you got just the old timey Ooh, the music uh, battle. You know, to see that versus his fangs and where they take this sort of greaser side of it, quote unquote, will be interesting. But we will find out in the dark room, the home of bikers, beatniks and badasses. That's mm-hmm. right.
0: Well, a couple of quick things to mention about Kevin and Clay
2: that I really liked. The seed of the piano room. I love Or them. in case you're listening at home. He's trying to say piano, but it, he just doesn't. What is your what? problem with the weather? <laughs> in case you're <laughs> just is driving you crazy. Nobody's noticing this. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, It's OK.
1: Piano? I like it gets gets to the word fast. Is that wrong? Piano.
2: That's
0: not. Nah.
1: True.
2: <laughs> what are you? What was that? What was you that? the translation sound? I, you called Alex. Piano. C- Alex Siri C- 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 all of a sudden was like, I don't know what he's trying to say.
1: <laughs> that guy can't pronounce piano. Uh,
2: Anyway,
0: in whatever room that was, the blocking there where Kevin is just sort of frozen in the room and Clay on his lines, each of his lines, he takes one giant step forward. I just thought it's great. Really good. Really nice. And then the same thing in the sock hop where Clay is just so forward with him, but clearly dancing around it. And they're in an era where they can't be like, I'm gay. You're gay. Let's hook up. You know, that he needs to bounce around this thing was so interesting and so well-worded. And then the last thing that I'll say is Clay staring at Kevin when he's da- dancing with Betty, like uh mm. like a stare like that. I don't know. There's something about that that's just – that's hard to do as an actor and really make it work and feel the heat of it, but you feel the heat there.
1: It's yeah, great. it was great. That It's a hotbed between – uh, with all these relationships that are just all about eye contact right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's move
0: on to the other big one that starts to heat up this episode, which is Shoney. So over the course of the episode, Cheryl is trying to sell tickets to the SOCOP. Tony basically won't let her. Tony wants Fags to play at the SOCOP, not Kevin and the Cruders. And the those dastardly jerks, the serpents, are going to throw rotten eggs at everybody in the parking lot uh, if they try to go into the sock hop. So ultimately, Tony starts to win over Cheryl thanks to a coffee date at the dark room, which is what the white worm is now. And then ultimately, they end up holding hands and dancing at the dance. And it's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened in the history of television. Up until Principal Featherhead... Yeah. shuts it down in the most heartbreaking way possible by saying, ah, girls girls and boys dancing together. Isn't that nice how it should be? And Cheryl is oh. barely holding it together. So uh, I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people were very worried, and I think rightfully so, about closeting these characters again. But this is another example of, I think, where they're riffing off storylines that happened previously. They're not going to spend as much time on them, they're going to sort of hit the highlights here. But the emotional notes that everybody's playing here in the second episode are so beautiful and heartbreaking and wonderful to watch. Absolutely worth it to me.
1: Well, and I I think like the characters that um, are in danger of being closeted are um, at different points. And like, I feel like with Kevin, it's like he knows he's attracted to men. He just can't, do it yet? He, and I think his the Clavin relationship is really going to bring that out. I think with um, with Cheryl, it's a little bit different. She's sort of uh, seems like she doesn't know what's happening. I mean, she's like has yeah, to the, figure it out. Their from, from the beginning.
2: At the uh, table with the tickets where she, like, asks her dance and she kind of, like, freaks out and, like, doesn't know what to do to the transition of them dancing together was just such a journey. It was so lovely and and so nice. Uh, the Shoney time in this episode makes it worth it.
1: It's a great discovery. And it really makes the, the feelings and the, the love pop so much more when you see Cheryl discovering it, too. And makes Featherhead just such a more awful dangerous villain that you see him lurking and seeing and watching it's it's good maximum impact i feel like is what they're going for
0: and again in terms of the acting i love what everybody's doing here i love that tony is very clearly out and proud but not saying it in a very similar way to clay is not saying it and knows who cheryl is and know what cheryl is but is just kind of prodding her and playing with her mm-hmm. a little bit and the way Madeline Patch is playing Cheryl as this babbling mess around Tony, yeah, it, it's, so, it's so much fun. Like, it's fun, particularly after we saw the HBIC version of Cheryl in the first episode, to see her completely thrown off her game in every single scene with Tony and Tony being the one in charge. It also flips their dynamic from a lot of the previous seasons, where yeah. Tony was always in the background being like, babe, babe, what do we do, babe? And Cheryl being the one leading the storylines. To have Tony now be the one who has the power in the relationship is great. Like, I'm loving seeing it.
1: Me too. And it occurs to me, it feels like we have just like a bunch of little rom-coms boiling here. Um, with like some dramatic undertones and we have the, the, whatever's going to come from the, what happens with Ethel at the end. But like, it really is like a lot of just will they, won't they is popping at the same time, which is exciting.
0: And I'll just mention as a random shot that I loved the shot of them reaching out and holding hands with each other. Oh Yeah. Loved it. Like I I love that they're taking the time to really frame up these shots that are so specific. I think this points to, it's uh, Ronald Paul Richard, who was a DP, I think, for a long time. I, I, I think I got that wrong. But whatever it is, he's directed the first two episodes. And I think he's really stepped it up in terms of the way things look and the specificity of the shots and the way that they're putting things together. It feels like this bright... Cheery fifties drama kind of you know versus yeah. the legitimate like darkness, not just the thematic darkness but the literal darkness of the frame that we've had the past couple of seasons as Riverdale has gotten darker and darker,
2: it's brightened up and it's beautiful and it's fun to look at, oh, it's gonna get dark, don't
1: you worry, well, well speaking speak of talk that about darkness, that. Yeah, yeah, like A- Ethel's parents were terrifying in the oh, scene, oh my they were, God, yeah you know, you see, you feel the pressure that she, when she has the meeting at the school and, you know, Featherhead have power over her and you see her and feel bad for her, but they seem a little like doofy as like villains and like the stodgy old Dean cliche, but Ethel's parents are scary. And uh, then we go from that to her coming in covered in blood. I mean, I don't know, hard to say. I feel like it depends on how fast and how dark the show's going to get in the next episode.
2: Yeah, but did you want it to be her parents' blood? Were you like, oh man, I hate her parents. I hope she murdered
1: them. Is that what you are saying? No, I rarely say that. Oh, just that's in general, uh, <laughs> okay. I hope they murder them. <laughs> uh, but like I, that's what I'm saying. Like it felt like it could go that way very easily mm-hmm. because of how scary they were and how Ethel felt like truly trapped. I think.
0: Well, I think the thing that we're going to kind of get here over the course of the season, or at least these early episodes, because I have no idea how it's going to go beyond that, but... We mentioned this earlier, Dr. Werther's is an amalgam, amalgam, that's the wrong word, but an analog for Dr. Mm. Wertham. Dr. Wortham yeah, is a real-life Frederick Wertham. Frederick Wertham, who created this thing called the Comics Code. And the Comics Code, around the same time as we are currently in Riverdale, basically was like, hey, these comics are forcing teens to do terrible things. We need to shut them down. It's not just about a rating, but we need to stop them. And... Uh, I what they're heading towards here, not I think, I know what they're heading towards here, is that it is something at least somewhat similar to what they did with Griffins and Gargoyles and the Satanic Panic in uh, season four, three. Season (laughs) three three is the nightmare season. Yeah. Uh, So back there, they were like, yeah, let's take Satanic Panic and Riverdale eyes it here. They're going to use whatever Frederick Worth was, shutting down the comics code, comics ramping people up into murder and killing and all of these other things. You know, they're not going to go one-to-one, but they're going to find their own Riverdale spin on it as they go forward. And I think, frankly, you know, as a mystery for the season, that is such a smart thing to do for the show that clearly increasingly has owned the fact that it comes from this Archie comic source material for its final season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did a report in high school on Frederick Wortham, and uh, that guy was using some uh, like very dubious techniques to make his case. It was very like sort of McCarthyistic in the way that he just was just trying to push his agenda, anti-comics, like repressive agenda out into the world. You
0: should find that report and read it here on the podcast.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if I can <laughs> do that. Uh, I wonder where I could even look to find that. No yeah, idea. I'm sure it's online at the
0: Library of Congress or something like that. Yeah, what? I
1: definitely got all of my reports graded and bagged. Uh, like <laughs> an excellent comment.
0: Other notes from the
2: episode that you want to call out in particular? Any other scenes or well, things that jumped uh, out of you? It was, uh, you know, I mean, we have Alice here who, you know, mm. does the whole pin uh, thing for Kevin, which was kind of like the uh, the thing that took Justin's happiness away there for uh, for what could have happened. But uh, I take think... Take it, it away. It's there. It's it, strong. I, I did like um, how, you know, uh, Betty's mom wa- likes Kevin, you know, and is rooting for Kevin. So even though it's like... Very misguided and, you know, Kevin's got to be who he's... It was nice that the mom was... It seemed like she was trying to be like... I don't know if she's rooting for Kevin so much as rooting
0: against Archie. Is
1: I think she's really rooting to, like, repress Betty. Mm -hmm. She's trying to control Betty and she thinks that Kevin... Because she clearly understands that she has some control over Kevin, which she does. She gets him... She pushes him to do what he then later does in the episode that does work to keep them together.
0: Well, let me ask you a question about this. So in this scene, Alice invites Kevin over, gives him the pin, says it's the actual pin that Mr. Cooper gave her, and said that they were in a similar situation where there were some feelings going on that they couldn't really deal with. And when Hal gave her the pin, that really settled things. And it was fine. And they didn't have to worry about those feelings anymore. And we know, of course, that at the regular timeline, Hal Cooper- palace. Yeah, well, in the regular timeline, Hal Cooper is the Black Hood. So my question right. is, are we talking about that this shut down his murderous urges? Yeah, was
2: that a murder pin? Was he using that pin to murder people and then? No, no, no.
0: no. It was he? Was this about like he was feeling these dark, angry, murderous urges? Or in this timeline, is Hal Cooper gay? And that's what she's specifically identifying oh. in Kevin.
1: Oh, interesting. I didn't think of it that way. I took of it as... The feeling she was having feelings for for uh, FP or oh, someone okay. like that, and he pinned her and took her away from that world that she is now um, repressed.
0: Okay. Really
1: so but, but I mean it could be any of yeah, those yeah. things.
0: Yeah, they got be a FP murder back. pin
1: situation. <laughs> we gotta see FP.
2: Um, other notes, other things you want to call out? Yeah, I, you know we got um, Veronica calling Archie, Archiekins. Love so, the Oh, uh, It was nice to hear that
1: again. Uh, just uh, "Tutti Fruity," obviously, such a banger that made oh, passed pass yeah. right out. Man, just like crushing it. That song's probably going to be rising on the like Spotify download list. Like yeah. top uh, What do you think about shit? the
0: fact that Drew Dre Tanner hasn't gotten any lines basically in the first two episodes?
1: That's well, weird, I, right? I think. <laughs> it, well, it, it's just where do you put him? What yeah. is Fangs now? Because like the way the show is sort of pointing all the relationships, he's sort of on the outside. Right.
0: right. Yeah. It's just, it was funny to have scenes where he's just sort of standing there and steering. And that's pretty much it. I I'm curious, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with him going forward. Like, what is his plot line? What's going to happen with him? I love the stuff with him and Midge. Like, we talked about the stuff in the car was fun. Him doing the classic, like, Elvis grabbing her chin and her fainting. That was another fun, cute moment. So, I don't know. But I, 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 that was all fun. I just don't know how he works in this high school group.
2: It was also yeah. nice how they kind of kept this song going for the credits so he could, you know, keep singing. I, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, f- Thanks. <laughs> Uh, I thought he uh, killed it in this episode. Yeah, He's
1: a fan. We got a Fangs fan.
2: The uh, the the. We talked a little
0: bit about the dancing scene with Betty and Archie, but the beginning when Archie doesn't know how to dance, that to me felt like straight up KJ Apa being like, "Oh, I'm doing a funny dance," and that was pretty much it. Not necessarily Archie, so that was fun.
1: But it's hard to tell, you know, what uh, Archie' performance what it is that truly drawing from. Are they just like pushing him out on the stage, being like, "All right, be a complete baby and <laughs> yeah. everything."
0: The uh, both of the scenes with Dilton, where he was uh, buying yeah. tickets, very fun. Where Tony first, uh, where Tony bullies him and his line, mostly that scary Tony girl, that was very fun. Yeah, um, I liked We talked about this earlier, but the dark room churn, changing the white worm into a coffee shop. That is still underground, but also somehow overground.
1: Very interesting.
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I got to see the architectural drawings for that one.
0: Yeah. And there was one other thing that I wanted to mention, but I don't remember what it is. So never mind.
1: There you go. We're just going to like whisper the word Shoney over and over again into the mic. Yeah, Shoney, we're just going to. Shoney. That's another a new segment on the show, right? Yeah,
0: man, it's, it's all happening though.
1: It's all ASMR. Happening. All, of just comes. <laughs> yeah.
0: all
1: of our yeah, all of our dreams are happening. No one's dreams are being crushed. That's yep. all we can say.
0: Here. There you go. Uh, all right, why do not we talk about MVP for the episode,
2: Pete? Who was your MVP? going to give it to uh, Ethel on this one. She was killing it. Mm. It was uh, it was heartbreaking, literally, but it was also literally maybe. Yeah, it was. I was just uh, really impressed with her art, and it was great to see her back and in, in action. Justin, what about you?
1: <sighs> I uh, let's do a full reset on our on this podcast too, and I'll go back to my roots and just say Betty all day air day, because (laughs) Betty is just great stuff happening here. Great to see you going through the journey, and the Barchi stuff was very nice.
0: Man, it's really tough, actually, because I think everybody is doing a really good job here. Obviously, I loved the Shoney stuff. I thought that Vanessa Morgan were doing a great job. But I want to give a shout-out to KJ Appa. We didn't really talk about... The moment where he has a little bit of that old Archie anger almost comes out both at Julian when Julian does that harrowing moment where he insults his dad's suit. And he's like, oh, "Oh, I thought your dad would have been buried in that suit. And that was awful. Awful. Like just twists my heart up when I hear that. And then him going out to the garbage can and crumpling up the poem and throwing it out there. I, I don't know. I think he's doing a good balancing job of keeping those notes of the old Archie in this new, more earnest Archie, which I think is very interesting.
1: Agree. Now, do you think when Veronica chose that many men, was she really like, is it sort of feels like sort of like the Bachelor style, the mm-hmm. Bachelorette, I mean, where it's like you choose a couple losers in there too because like, do you think she's like, all these fifty men or however many were there are potential dates for her? Uh, well, she was saying, skin? I
0: mean, I know you're making a joke, but she was saying that like, None of them were potential dates. She was all keeping them on the line just to kind of have the fun of the game. But, yeah, obviously – Too many. You can have the fun of the, of the game with like four. Julian and Archie had lines, and that was pretty much – the rest of the guys were like, so what's going on here? Are we getting paid for this evening? What's happening? And that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 PM to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple Spotify Stitcher or the app of your choice To subscribe, listen, and follow the show At Comic Book Live Excuse me, at Riverdale Dark on Twitter Riverdale After on Instagram Riverdale After Dark on Facebook Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast And many more Until next time, we'll see you after dark
1: Hey Hey, DJs If this season Goes as barshy as I think it's going to I think Pete's gonna murder pin Me Mm -hmm. One, two, three
0: We We agree. agree.